Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Courtney. Welcome to Beyond the Bump podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today to have a chat with us. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on today. My name's Courtney. I am 27 years old. I have a husband, Hugo. He is 26 years old and I have two beautiful daughters, Luca and Ayla. Ayla's eight this year and Luca is five years old. I have my own business, Luca the Label. It's a children's clothing label. My husband, he makes surfboards as well, so we both work from home. We've just found that a lot easier juggling the family lifestyle that we like, the easy, simple living. So, yeah. Easy, simple living, but I'm sure it keeps you very busy at the same time. Absolutely, absolutely. Courtney, the reason we asked you to come on today and we're so grateful that you've allowed us to speak to you about this because we feel it's such an important topic is that your older daughter Ayla has autism and you've been quite open on social media about the journey that it was to get this diagnosis and now you know day-to-day life with a child that is do you say higher needs or special needs or what terminology do you like to use? Yeah, okay, so uh, it's a really tricky one, probably special needs, definitely, because, yeah, she does have special needs in day-to-day life that we have had to, yeah, bring in through, I guess, since she was a baby, but we didn't get the diagnosis till late last year, so she was seven years old when she was first diagnosed with autism yeah and which a lot of people I talk to is actually quite an early diagnosis for girls because they are so hard to diagnose compared to boys because their traits I guess aren't typical well not all not all girls anyway don't have the typical traits so it was really hard we first took her to the doctor's when she was, I'm going to say about three years old, she was just quite um, difficult is probably the word I'm going to use. She wouldn't sleep. She wouldn't go to sleep. And then at nighttime, she would not sleep. And then her meltdowns were quite erratic. I suppose, yeah, she wouldn't. I mean, that sounds like a pretty, pretty normal (laughs) three-year-old. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that was the hardest thing to get the diagnosis. So doctors would be like, you know, that's normal. And my parents are like, that's normal. (laughs) But I guess behind closed doors, it was a lot harder than what people would see as in we would get physically hurt a lot of the time. Right. And so to hear that that was normal, I was like, oh, God, what am I doing wrong here? And so I'd question it a lot. Doctors would say, you know, she's just a really anxious child. And I'm like, okay, well, if we cause that, is that is this our fault? But there were also a lot of other things too, as in she was lining things up and colour coordinating from about 
two years old, I'm mm-hmm. going to say. So her speech wasn't delayed. I'm going to point that out there because that is a really big thing that people think if my child can talk, then they're not autistic, which isn't isn't the case. They use they use these labels, which I know a lot of autistic people don't like. So it's called low functioning and high functioning, and I totally understand why they don't like it. So they've put Ayla at the higher functioning because she can talk, she can walk, she can she can look, I guess, like a normal child, but inside. There is a lot going on in there. Mm-hmm. There is a lot going on there. There is a lot of functioning. You know, they might have speech delays. You could have a four-year-old that can't talk, five-year-old that can't communicate. So, yeah, that's where we found it really, really hard to get the diagnosis. And but did you just have like a gut feeling the whole time? Because I guess you probably saw your friend's three-year-olds and were like, yeah, 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 they have a tantrum and they're difficult at times. But you probably yeah. had this gut feeling that was like, I understand that three-year-olds are difficult, but this isn't right. This is, it was next level. And, you know, sometimes my parents actually had to take her away for a few nights because we just couldn't, we couldn't cope. We didn't, you know, we were getting hurt physically. But I think the point when we we mostly realised was when our youngest daughter was born and the experience was just totally different. The crying was different. The meltdowns were different. You know, it seemed somewhat normal. And I was like, okay, this is, this is, there's something going on here. There's something that's just, yeah, quite different with Ayla. She was also, she's also quite obsessive with things, like over the top obsessive with things. Yeah, all these things just started to build up and... Uh, the breaking point when we decided to get her diagnosis, there were weeks there where she would melt down for about three hours and it came to the point where she was hurting herself. She was trying to rip out her hair oh. and she was telling me that she just wanted to die. At what and age was this? This was last year. It's seven, So she was seven years old. Right. And she would just curl up in her room and we would just all be in tears because she just wanted to die. She would call herself an idiot and Aww. she would just bang and pull, in her, pull at her hair so aggressively and just she didn't want to live anymore. And she couldn't understand why she was the way she was. And what so kind of things the- would trigger that? Oh, a bad day generally, yeah. a bad day. And did she <laughs> go to be- school? Yeah, so Ayla is at school. Yeah, she is at school. She's at a mainstream school. And the teacher, that was the hardest thing too, is the teachers didn't notice anything different at school. And this is the thing with girls and the problem with getting a diagnosis is they can, girls can mask themselves in social situations. So what you see generally with Ayla out in the open is a lot different to what we would experience at home because she can pull it together. She'll pull it together pretty well. She's she's also been diagnosed with ADHD since, so she's quite hyperactive, very, very loud. You'll talk to her and she talks in quite a loud voice. Mm-hmm. Do they come hand in hand, autism and ADHD? Uh, generally, not for everybody. 
not for all kids, but it is quite common for mm. children with autism to have ADHD as well. But then you will get some kids that are on the other side and they're not they're more introverts rather than extroverts. So I would say Ayla is very much an extrovert and she has to be around people all the time. Whereas I think a lot of people put autism in the box of those weird, awkward kids that don't actually like talking to people, which is definitely not the case with Ayla. She right. very much like me in everybody's face. Like she almost doesn't know how socially acceptable it is mm. to be yeah, around people. That must have been so hard for you, her, I guess, acting for want of a better word, normal with other people and then so challenging with you because I can only imagine putting myself in that situation, you would think, what the hell is wrong with us that yeah, this is how you act around us? And and especially because a lot of people, like a lot of our friends even and family would be like, you know, you've just got to be strict. We're strict with our kids and, you know, they listen to us now. So we'd go home and we'd be like, okay, we need to be more firm with her. This hitting can't be happening and she can't be yelling us the way she is. So then we took on the approach of being firm and it is the worst thing. It got her to breaking point. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I guess I beat myself up a lot about it, but we also got rid of a lot of people in our life that weren't accepting. Like when we got the diagnosis, a lot of people said that's ridiculous. You know, you just she just needs more, more firmness. Yeah, and the outside opinions, they're wonderful, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, so basically that's really why I want to get the word out for not parents, children, friends, family, just to really understand the differences between all different children and I think it's important not just for children with autism but all children to be understood a lot better for Mm. you know who they are and there's just so it's there's so much judgment these days on parents alone let alone parents with special needs children and if there was just more support I guess in the community our families and just yeah less judgment it would it would really really help really help our children and yeah and I think I think also people's opinions always come into play like as soon as someone has a baby someone has an opinion your grandma your mom your mom's mom your friend's friend your cousin everyone people who don't have kids have an opinion and I think it would be incredibly hard for someone with special needs when you don't even know yourself you know you haven't had the diagnosis yet and then people are giving you their opinion every child's different so I do feel for you I think especially when it's behavioral like autism or ADHD where it's not cut and dry like another say physical need or something like that that there I think there is still so much stigma around oh well it must have been something environmental or you know nature versus nurture it must have been more the nurture side of things and that kind of thing so yeah I think it's amazing that you're trying to get the word out there yeah yeah it's really dismissive of the parents too and makes them feel they you know we start judging ourselves then and as if we don't already judge ourselves enough for yeah being a parent I mean everybody does we all do but yeah when it comes into play with this and you start questioning everything yeah. Could you tell us about how the diagnosis finally came about? 
Yeah, so as I was saying, um, you know, when things started to get really quite bad and we were, you know, we I'd screamed to my husband some night like during her meltdowns being like, you know, do we need to call an ambulance to try control her because, you know, we were quite scared for her safety, for our safety. Um, anyway, I got her to sleep one morning and then we I took her straight to the doctors and I sat there. And I said to them, you know, we, we need help, we need answers. What what's what's wrong with her? What's going on? How can we help her? And he got us into a quite high pediatrician in our area the next day. And within that next day, that pediatrician finally listened to us and just explained how different autism is and that yeah, she is most likely that is that's what's going on so obviously after then we had to go back for another appointment to get the diagnosis her diagnosis was done off a criteria so basically he asked oh I can't remember how many questions but it would have been would have been at least 100 questions you know does she does she do this does she do that what level does she do this yeah she came back with quite a clear diagnosis of autism after that day so yeah it was really good I think what I would suggest for other parents is is to stick with your guns if you feel like there is something wrong don't dismiss that don't let other parents make you feel like there isn't a problem you know you're you're your child's mother and yeah it's I guess your responsibility to look out for them and make sure that you're doing everything you can to help them. Do they do tests? Like I've got a few friends that have children that have had to go through tests in like little classrooms where they watch what they do. They go through all those little puzzle games to see how their attention span is. Did they do any of that with her at all? They didn't do that. He could tell a lot by just her coming into the appointments alone. Uh, He works a lot with autistic children, particularly girls, and he could see pretty quickly. And he more went off what I was saying, and that's what I liked the most, was he wasn't judging her in that particular moment because Mm. she can pull herself together pretty quickly for somebody if she has to. Um, She might be shy, she might be a little bit awkward, but you... Yeah, I don't think you can necessarily tell by sitting with a child. For five minutes, yeah. Yeah, I think you need to listen to the parents in this instance because we live with we live with them and we know, you know, we know what's going on, we know what's happening and so many doctors before that time almost looked at us like, you know, you're exaggerating, that, that can't possibly be happening and it just, yeah. It, it hurts to not be listened, especially by professionals. Totally. And how did it feel when you did get the diagnosis? Was it upsetting or was it a relief? It was definitely a relief because we could finally work towards something and help her and, yeah, best get her the support that she needed. Yeah, I can't say it was upsetting at all. It was we knew for a long time. Since the diagnosis, we've kind of worked out that my husband almost definitely has autism and I guess we've always kind of presumed that as well. He was diagnosed with ADHD when he was a boy but now it's pretty clear that that was undiagnosed autism. Is it genetic? Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, they say it's genetic. 
Uh, look, uh, yeah, I guess it's hard to say because I'm not a doctor, but def- definitely what our pa- paediatrician told us is it's definitely, definitely genetic and I can see where it would run through the family. And Absolutely. does your husband and your daughter have similar traits or are they quite different? Is his more boy and her, like he's more male and hers more female or...? No, actually, they're like exactly the same, right. exactly the same. So he, um, very obsessive. He he will talk to you about surfboards for hours on end and he has no other interest whatsoever. You can't really talk to him about much else. He's really straight on the line on one discussion and he loves it. Like it's incredible. He's very smart, very smart like that. Um, and he is very hyperactive. He's also quite awkward. So Hugo is a recovered alcoholic. And now that we look back, we do believe that he was probably drinking to try and cover the social awkwardness and, you know, fill that void. And they do say that with a lot of autistic people that go undiagnosed, these things can happen with, you know, depression, alcoholism, drug addicts, yeah, suicide even because it just, if it's not, if it's not brought to a yeah. If it's not understood, yeah. If yeah, if you're not helped, then people start to think there's something wrong with them. And I know that my husband definitely, definitely felt that that he wasn't normal. Bloody normal. It must be such a relief for him as well that at yeah. least now you guys can understand her more because I imagine he spent yeah. so many years feeling misunderstood. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, definitely, definitely. And yeah, I guess it's it. It's good. It is hard. I feel like with partners, I mean, in every parenting aspect, it is a difficult thing because one might agree on one thing and one might not agree. Yeah, it has its challenges, definitely. Um, but I mean, yeah, absolutely. We're both still so grateful to have that diagnosis and it has made a world of difference to how we treat her now um, and who I guess we let in her life. You know, a lot of support. We just make sure there's plenty of support there. I have so many questions. How did you des- how did you describe autism to Ayla? Okay, so that was that was a tough one. I mean, I was excited to tell her in a sense so that she understood that she wasn't an idiot when she went through that phase of, you know, not wanting to be alive anymore and asking what was wrong. So I'm pretty I'm pretty open with both of our children. You know, we talk about, you know, everything. There's not much that goes missed in our family so I just sat down and I just explained you know that she is she has autism and there is actually another person in her class that is special needs as well so and she knew that she's really good friends with him as well so I just explained that they're really similar and that she is incredibly creative she is very very bright but sometimes some things will frustrate her a lot more than other people and we just need to learn to combat that and she needs to learn to talk to us more when something feels like it's triggering her or if she's feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. How does Luca, like does Luca ever feel forgotten or frustrated by it or is she great with Ayla? Yeah, they're, they're really, really they're beautiful together. They are, but there's definitely a sense of sometimes we feel a little bit guilty, I guess, because we do have to parent them differently. Mm-hmm. Like, I, for instance, Ayla will will get away with hitting us where it is not appropriate for Luca to be hitting. However, Luca wouldn't actually 
think to ever do that. Yeah. So, but I guess the yelling, she does try to copy a few things that <laughs> Ayla does with her defiance and all that, but I think that's a typical four, four-year-old as well. So she's always there for Ayla. She will always, you know, if Ayla's mid-meltdown, she'll always go in and try and hug her and calm her down, which is beautiful. And, yeah, I don't know. It's a really, it's, that's, it's a tough one. I do really feel for siblings that have a special needs. What differs in terms of features with boys with autism and girls with autism? Okay, so, and I guess here they could both be pretty similar. Sometimes you'll have boys that will have similar traits. So autism's on a spectrum, which means there are so many different variations of traits that they can have. But particularly with boys, they're not so good at masking. So say when a boy goes to school and he wants to be loud and robust and speak out of line, he will just do that, whereas a girl will sit there and try and be polite and get through the day. And I guess as women ourselves, sometimes we can, everyone can try to fit into a situation to make other people feel comfortable. So girls tend to do that. I do hear a lot of boys actually, so their speech can be delayed. I think that's probably a pretty main sign and they don't make solid eye contact when talking to people is a pretty big one also. But then I also know that there are boys that can do all those things as well, but they're on more similar to Ayla, whereas she could talk, but her social cues and her um, emotions run just so deep that, yeah, it's I feel yeah, like just so many variations, yeah. With, with Ayla, do you yeah. find that because she masks herself and her emotions a lot throughout the day that she does come home and just, you know, unleash everything because she has been tying it up in her chest for so long yeah so and so before we got the diagnosis we we didn't understand this and now when she comes home we kind of just let her go loose so you know a lot of people don't see this I'm sure our neighbors hear this she will (laughs) she could run around the house barking like a dog for 10 minutes and that she will scream at the top of her voice and we've just learned that instead of suppressing that and making making her feel like that's a bad thing we let her do that and let that energy out as well as jumping up and down and yeah just really letting all that bad energy out we also sit down and we'll talk in the afternoons about things that may have happened in the day and we try to resolve those issues before it becomes a full-blown meltdown because, yeah, everything's got to be quite routine in the afternoons and nothing can really change or step out of line otherwise. Yeah, all all hell can break loose (laughs) for that afternoon and night time. It's just all being prepared is probably the main thing. And I know that you've spoken about her being quite obsessive about things and things being in order. And I do remember once watching on your Instagram, you showing an example of the way that she plays. Are you able to maybe yeah. talk through a few of those examples for our listeners? Just because I feel like it was it, it was really interesting to see and yeah. kind of made me understand a lot more. 
Yeah, so this is a big difference and something that was brought to my attention that is different between someone with autism and someone who doesn't is she can't, she doesn't play with toys as such. So you could give her Barbie dolls and she wouldn't, she wouldn't role play them, so Mm. to speak. She would, she might dress them and then she'd just lay them back down in a line or sit them somewhere. So it's, you know, sitting perfectly with her Lego. She got so much Lego and instead of building something, she sorted all the colors out Mm. and, and sorted yeah, just made sure everything was organised and then she put it away and that was that was it. She doesn't uh, – in saying that, she is creative, so it's it's a tough one. She could play uh, in the kitchen, like in a dirt, in a mud kitchen for ages, but she won't role play it. She will just – yeah, she will just build something and then just leave it and no one can touch it. Very – you could ask – So not her, really – like her imagination, like not very imaginative, yeah. but if, if you put yeah. a – Kind of, but kind of, but not her imagination's kind of on a different level to a role plus a role play, so to speak. So, yeah, she's never. We bought her. She's had about four dolls' houses because she thinks that it's you know the best thing ever. But she'll she'll set up the dolls' house and then she'll yeah. never ever look at it again. Like and no set one a can scene. Yeah. Yeah, she'll set a scene and that's it. So that that's a very very common thing with children with autism is they just like to organise things rather than play with them. And are there any triggers outside or even at home that really stand out that just you know that something's going to happen? I mean, obviously routine, outside of routine, would be a major thing for her. Yeah, so routine, but noise is her biggest trigger, which is really hard to manage when we've got Luca who's very defiant and is starting to yell at us for a lot of things. So if Luca starts yelling, Ayla will scream, um, scared, you know, she'll rock in the corner back and forth just screaming us, you know, make it stop, make it stop. Um, So, and noise is a really hard one to manage because sometimes you just, something might fall off, fall off the bench and you can't help that and Mm. it will just set her right off and we have to take her to a quiet space to calm her down and, you know, it's things like that that, people on the outside don't see as much because yeah all this stuff does happen at home and outside she can pull it together and then when she gets home that's when she'll let it all out so is autism something that can be medicated or it's it's just a way of life that you all need to learn how to adapt with so there's definitely medication I wouldn't say there's medications for autism no um there's medications for anxiety Mm -hmm. and after Ayla when she was first diagnosed they did put her on a uh, an anti-anxiety medication just to make sure that she was safe for a while and also she's on a natural melatonin for sleep at night because she would get maybe two hours sleep at night. She'd oh, pace gosh. the hallway. She'd look really? out the window. She'd just she can't. She could. She'd sit up and stare. It was like it's a little bit creepy. But I, you know, she then it just ruined the next day because she was so tired. So now she's on a natural melatonin that, and she sleeps. We've never had so much sleep in our life. Oh wow! Um, just completely, completely changed her. And yeah, which in turn changes us, which means we can be better parents as well and be more, um, yeah. And what happens when they become an adult? Like, obviously, you said your husband has somewhat 
you know, traits yeah. of autism. Do they, are they, like, are they always screaming down the hallway when they're, like, you know, 40 or does something change and they learn how to handle these situations? I I guess that depends on the person, whether they want to, whether they want to stop or maybe they find different ways to let out those, let out that energy. I know that Hugo can't stand still. He paces the house. He, yeah, he doesn't sit down. He hardly, like, he doesn't sleep much. He has a pretty short sleep at night yeah I'm not too sure I do follow some people on Instagram some adults and that you know they do still scream down the hallways or they'll sing loudly or I guess you just learn different ways yeah yeah. to match those feelings definitely have you found since her diagnosis and her being like you know maybe feeling more understood do you feel like her behavior has got better I think we're just understanding it more maybe we're looking from a different angle rather than before we thought that she was just bad look at a point there we thought she had bipolar we went to the doctors and said you know can children have bipolar like she can be like ferociously happy one minute and then just in the corner rocking back and forth the next second we just didn't know so now her behavior it's probably the same but we just yeah you know we're just happy that she is who she is and we're just accepting it who she is now as well and just let her let her be that person, yeah. And you said she attends a mainstream school. Does she get extra resources and help there or do you guys get extra help? Yeah, so she was verified by the school, which means that they get funding for her because she's at a state school, which they have like a special learning education unit that she can go to. I can only really speak for our school. It's... It's been okay, the support, but some teachers just aren't as understanding as others, which does make it really hard. She can come home having a bad day. There was a point there where she was sat on her own at lunchtime for like almost all week for being too loud in the playground, which obviously Hugo and I went up and spoke to the teachers because it just wasn't okay. She was getting singled out for being herself basically. So mm. um, but because finally, if there's any good. time to be loud, isn't the playground when you're it's meant in the playground. to be loud? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been a really tough year. We have looked at alternative schooling for her just with a much calmer approach because the noise is such a trigger oh, for course. her. So being yelled at by a teacher you know, for something as simple as her just giggling, like she gets the giggles and she can't, she can't control it. So then she'll get singled out in the classroom and put on her own. So yeah, there's just a few things that I'm not liking, but it could just be put down to the teacher as well. I don't think I'm going to put that on the school because it is, their support program has been really helpful, definitely. Can you tell us some positive things about having a daughter with autism? Yeah, definitely. So she is, her love runs so deep and she will, her friends will be so lucky to have her. She will be the most loyal friend anyone anyone could ever have. And her creativeness is incredible. She will be somewhat an artist when she is older. Her determination for anything, she won't give up. She definitely won't give up. She will I can't wait to see where she goes when she's older. It's hard with her being a child because of all the, you know, the social norms these days and, yeah, every, everyone's just so the judgment is yeah. really, really hard, picky, and 
she is amazing. She's definitely amazing and her feelings are, yeah, very deep. So, yeah, she's beautiful. She's oh, she's beautiful. so lucky to have a mum like I you. Know. You're, you're amazing. <laughs> and I think this one's really important, but how can we better educate ourselves and our children on being more sensitive towards other kids with special needs? Yeah, so that's a really good question and I think it should be, it should be a similar as what we do for adults where we're asking if they are okay. I think children should be taught from a really young age to ask each other if they're okay and what they're feeling. Just because Ayla could be upset about something at school and it would be really good to know that she has a supportive network there to make sure that she is okay. And just parents also teaching their children that if there is a child that seems disruptive at school, maybe get the children to ask why they are feeling that way. And once again, if they're okay, because generally whether it's um, a special needs that is causing that or maybe problems at home, I think all children deserve to be asked if they're okay and, you know, to have that support from their peers because, yeah, super important. How does she go making friends at school? Yeah, she because she's so social, it's good, but it's more the parents that don't want their kids to be friends with her. Oh, because really? She is so, yeah, so that's... And so that's where it's really hard because they are so misunderstood. They think our children are bad, <laughs> bad eggs. And and the children want to be friends with her. So that's that's not the issue, but they're worried that their kids might be led astray by Ayla's, I guess, you know, loudness. She seems controlling, which is another thing too in a situation. Autistic kids like to control situations so they know what's going to happen. So games particularly, Ayla tends to be the leader because she needs to make sure things are all Mm. going Mm. in a certain direction. So, yeah, yeah, I think it comes down to parents a lot with friends. Ayla has a lot of friends. When I go to school, most of the kids will talk to her and yell out to her, but the parents don't talk to me. They don't want a oh, lot to do horrible. with her. Yes, that is heartbreaking. And it's, not, and it's not just me. I've talked to a lot of special needs mums and they're very lonely. The kids don't get accepted. Ayla hasn't been invited to a school party at all in her entire life. <laughs> and she is starting to realise that because Luca already, she's in kindy and she's been invited to four parties this year. So Ayla starts to worry, you know, what? why aren't I getting invited to parties? And, you know, I can't really explain that. I guess that's that's up to the parents to So want. surely there's communities or networks and, I mean, it, I guess this is why you're yeah. doing what you're doing now so you can get more support in different neighbourhoods so these children can yeah. have people that feel like them or feel like they can, you know, relate and have have a connection. And the community. Yeah. But yeah, also exactly. in the parents. But also if, if Ayla is socialising with children that, don't have autism and those children are enjoying playing with her, then Ayla shouldn't have to just hang out. Like I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the other children, but if if the quote-unquote normal kids, whatever the hell normal means nowadays, enjoy playing with her, then she should be able to play with them. She should be able to. And that's what worries me is my, you know, my mum suggested to me that, you know, you need to join a autistic community. And I'm like, but Ayla wants to be friends with everybody. Yeah. You know, that's, 
I, I don't mind if it's, you know, just that group that she's friends with. But, yeah, as you said, autistic kids should be able to be friends with everybody. I mean, they're just, you know, they're a little bit different, but aren't we all different? And <laughs> we are think- all different and perhaps that, you know, I, I guess primary school is such a crazy age where people are like, you know, it, it, they're just children. Hopefully once they mature a little bit more, then there will be more acceptance with people. I would hope so, yeah. And I'm hoping Although that do, parents do that yeah. with their children. Yeah, I think it's got to be taught from home definitely that kids kids are different and their behaviours don't define them. There's generally a reason for a way kids are acting the way that they act. So I think it's definitely up to the parents to change that. And, yeah, be supportive of the other special needs parents as well because, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. Ask them if they're okay. (laughs) Ask them if they're okay, definitely, because rather than passing judgment on them and, Uh, what they're experiencing at home and all that kind of stuff as well but yeah in saying that look we've got a couple of amazing friends that have been really good but yeah there's been more leave than that that there has come into our lives a lot just walk away because they're scared their children are going to start acting like Ayla and yeah it's almost you can't catch autism yeah exactly that's it I know I read a quote the other day someone put up on Facebook but she's worried their child's going to catch autism and it's just it's just insane some of the things that you read so it's definitely out there it's a thing people judge and yeah finally do you have any tips or words of advice for other parents that are navigating this currently whether they've got a diagnosis they think their child might have autism yeah yeah definitely so I think stick to your guns stick to that mama instinct it's also not always about the diagnosis if you think that they have autism you know, there's not some magic wand that's going to fix them. You just treat them differently for who they are. So it's totally up to you whether you want to get the diagnosis or not. I actually think that it wouldn't have made such a difference whether we did or not. If I just stuck to knowing that she had it and we just treated her differently, she would still be thriving in what we're doing today but also self-care is probably a really big one as well just make sure you're taking that time for yourself um maybe even speak to a professional for yourself as well and make sure that you've got that support if you don't have those friends around you but yeah just stick to your guns don't don't listen to people don't listen to your friends they're not they're not you they're not in your shoes just need to go with go with your heart and make sure you're looking after your little one beautiful yeah thank you so much for coming on today and talking to us I imagine at times it can be quite emotional so yeah I'm sure this will make a difference to so so many mums and dads out there yeah I hope so certainly hope so get the word out thanks for listening to this episode of beyond the bump if you enjoyed it please subscribe and give us a review if you didn't good on you You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.